Welcome to Afternoon Delight. Real people, real stories, a local podcast for local artists. Hello everyone, Jory Delight here, back, back, back again. I am so thrilled to be feeling much better than I did last week because when I did Afternoon Delight last week I was so run down from the vaccine. Um, obviously I'm in no way when I say that telling people not to get the vaccine, please do get the vaccine, I am fine now. I had that sort of flu-like cold-like symptoms and within 24 hours I was back to normal and I think that's a small price to pay long term if you're going to try and avoid getting COVID bloody 19 or whatever variant to be honest these days there is. Um, the next episode is so much fun. First of all, I just want to say a big shout out to Catherine Leggett last week because Kath got such a big, overwhelming response from people. I think a lot of people found her podcast episode beneficial for their mental health and their physical health because obviously compassion and kindness are two things that Kath as a dietitian stands by. You know, she's not the food police. And I think a lot of people found that really helpful to listen to and the feedback I've had has been amazing. Also, a shout out to Anne Spank. The previous episode to that, trans icon and drag queen um, from Dundee. But obviously from Livingston was what I found out, which was absolutely wild. Didn't realize she was actually from sort of just out of Edinburgh. Both episodes iconic, and this episode is completely stark contrast. We've got a DJ icon and Edinburgh legend from the underground scene. Are you ready for this? This DJ, the last time I saw her was last bloody March in 2020, the Friday or Saturday before the pandemic hit, when I saw her two nights actually, Wednesday night on the Friday, Titty Titty Bam Bang on the following, the uh, previous, sorry, the previous um, weekend, and it was so, so, so um, wild catching up with her on Zoom because she made a big move and left the UK when it was allowed and moved to Berlin, and now she's going to end up, I can see things coming for her, you know, it's the age of Aquarius, she's going to no doubt take over Berlin's nightlife and start her own nights and producing, and she's also been working a full-time job and doing so well despite the pandemic, and I don't want to take any of the attention away from her, but it's Bongo Club icon, streets legend DJ, and just one of my favourite people, in all honesty, French gorgeous soul DJ, Eva Crystal Tips. Hello everyone, welcome back to Afternoon Delight with myself, Johnny Delight. I've got a fellow Aquarius and, my God, one of my favourite DJs from, like, particularly in Edinburgh when I used to go see her sets with Teddy Teddy Bam Bang at the street with Trendy Wendy and Mary Pots and Pans and as well... Um, seeing her DJ in various venues across Edinburgh and the nightlife. And I haven't seen this gorgeous human in nearly a year in person, so it's great to celebrate our one-year anniversary like this on Zoom. It is, of course, Eva Crystal Tips. Bonsoir. It's actually really nice to see you, even though it's just on the screen, I have to say, you know, when you used to see someone quite regularly as well, you know, always on nights out, uh, it's it's still nice to see you after so long, yeah. Thank you. Lovely, thanks thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. It's lovely to see you, and I'm sober for once. 
<laughs> Me too. No pussy bombs tonight. Oh dear. <laughs> I know. That's like one of the things actually that I've been talking to a lot of friends from the, um, you know, from the street and CCs and stuff. One thing we all miss is like pussy bombs. Me and um, my bubble back when we were DJing regularly from September until January, which we'll touch on about, you know, online DJ sets, we got pussy bombs delivered to the house and fuck me. Oh. The next day I was so hungover. <laughs> oh, tell me about it. Yeah, last time I had them was actually when I, I went back to Edinburgh in September because I'd left all my stuff in a storage facility. So I had to get all of this shipped here. And so obviously, you know, I went to see Wendy and we had one TTT Bang Bang streaming and I was like, I've not had pussy bombs in so long. Now it's been since September. It's very strange. <laughs> That's just wild. And you know what? I can't, I hate to say this, but I would be lying if I said I completely remember the last time I saw you because anytime I've came to the nights that you're teaching the street or we've been in the same night, it's just always been such an amazing night that you're so taken in by the next day you know the drink obviously adds to that but the next day you're like who did I see last night what did I do because I was just dancing so much of course and because we used to do this quite often as well so um see how the COVID hit so suddenly as well no one was prepared for it so uh, you know you could not really be like I remember my last night at the street was actually the weekend before they announced there was going to be the lockdown so it was not my last weekend out Mm -hmm. That was the weekend before. So we were not even really planning this. We were just like, oh, yeah, we're still going to go ahead with Mumbo Jumbo at the end of the month. You know, that was the plan. And so I think, you know, it would have been different if we knew, oh, that's the last night. You would have, you know, made a big thing when that was just a regular TTT bang bang. It's so funny because I actually do remember the last night I had before the pandemic hit. And it was a Friday night. And maybe this was the last time I saw you. It was a Friday night when you'd been DJing. And it was the weekend before they announced that people with CS, like myself, had to shield. And it was funny because the government in the UK were like, oh, 12 weeks of shielding, myself not leaving the house, right? But the CF Trust had the week before that said it was 12 weeks. And I was like, and all the CF community were like, what do you mean we have to shield? Because they hadn't even announced the pandemic happening yet. It was really quite surreal. But it was that mm -hmm. night, me and my friend were in Sainsbury's and I knew because uni had told me to take all my stuff home, we would be shut until the end of May. And I thought, why? Why are the uni shut till the end of May in, in March? And I went to her, we need to go to the street tonight. Like, we need to go. And she's like, no, 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 we'll just have a drink in night in yours. And I went, no, we need to go out tonight. I can feel it. We have to. And lo and behold, the Monday it was people with CF Shield and then the week after was everything until all. Everyone, yeah. It was nuts. But of course, I spent my last night in nightlife in the street, of course, of all places. Obviously. Obviously. <laughs> so we're going to wrap it on because we're both Aquarius, but would you mind introducing yourself to my listeners? All right, guys. So I'm Eva or Eva Crystal Tips, Crystal Tips, uh, Crystal Tits, Tits, whatever, you know, uh, can call me anything really. Um, so I am French originally, but I moved to Edinburgh about nine, nine and a half years ago, I think moved back because I went for the studies 2009, 2010, and then had to go back to France, spent a year in Reading and then moved back June, 2012. That was the one. And I was in Edinburgh the whole time because, you know, I, I, I just really liked the city, even though towards the end, I was like, I can't bear the tourists and stuff. <laughs> but I just really liked the city and found very, you know, like groups of friends and, uh, yeah, I was just working in bars, coffee shops, and then started DJing. 
um, I think it was 20, 2015, 2014, maybe the first time I actually pressed play on the CDJ. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was Paradise Palms. A CD DJ as well, not even just like a USB or a like computer, a proper CDs? Uh, well, I was basically using Wendy's CDs. <laughs> <laughs> of course. So it's like, well, you know, learned with Wendy, trendy Wendy for those uh, who might not know who Wendy, simply Wendy is. Um, and yeah, I mean, I've, uh, I was DJing there for a while and then COVID happened and then I find myself now in Berlin uh, out of all the places because didn't really have a plan and my sister's been here for almost three years. So it felt like during the crisis, Berlin was a very good place to be simply because compared to France, where the restrictions are very, like, it's really tight, it's very serious, you know, they've got a curfew at 6 p.m. at the minute. And you need to have an actual authorization to be out on the street. And at some point you can, yeah, you cannot, you cannot even go away from your home. You can be out for more than one hour. So I was just like, you know what, I'd rather move to Berlin because that was that's something that I've always wanted to do in a way for a while. Um, my sister was here and then in the summer was, you know, no clubs were open, but, but there were open air parties, was kind of bouncing. Now we're back in full lockdown. Just essential shops are open, yeah. but uh, it's it's nice, you know. It's uh, it's different, and I really miss Edinburgh. But um, you know, something trying something new in Berlin, really. And you picked, and in a way, I think you know you picked the right time probably to make the jump because nothing was happening in Edinburgh. Do you know what I mean? Like exactly, exactly. And when you when you think about it, I love the UK. I loved Edinburgh, and yeah, still love you know. British people, way more than German people, not going to lie. Everyone's so nice in the UK and Germany. They're quite like, they won't talk to you. They're like, mm, always grumpy in the shop. Uh, but the main difference is that, you know, I've got way cheaper accommodation here than that, you know, I could get in Edinburgh. And I managed to find a job, you know, after nine years of working on a zero-hour contract, kind of like part-time and sometimes, you know, not part-time during some week mm -hmm. now I've got job security and it pays well you know I mean what else would I be doing now because there's nothing to do so I'm actually really happy that I've got the yeah, yeah. job security as well it's um it's it feels like a much uh, secure place to be mm -hmm. not gonna lie you know like the government actually supports people more than they would in the UK and also didn't really think about it at first because I was like, oh, you know, I got my um, UK residency status, you know, as a European citizen, even with the Brexit, because I'd been around for more than five years and paying my taxes. So they were just like, yeah, yeah, of course, you can stay, you know. And now thinking about it, I'm just like, there's also the Brexit. So, you know, I'm back in Europe, really. and uh, It makes me really sad, but um, that's, uh, that's what it's become, unfortunately. Yeah, it's so interesting because I just think me and you are so similar in ways I can hear you like and me are very political with these sort of things and sort of your mindset is so similar to mine that you're like oh I left because I just could see that the government weren't supporting whereas where you are now you found that security like net and that's amazing yeah I mean it's uh, it's much cheaper 
in a way, even in the shop, you know, just to just to live life in general is cheaper, even in Berlin, even though it's a capital city. And yeah, I, I know that, um, you know, with work and stuff like that, they are going to support me. For instance, the city would actually, my sister, she's currently unemployed because she would like to work in culture and stuff like that, because that's where she's got the degree. But she cannot speak German. So she's been taking German classes, you know, paid by the government because the government's like, well, we're going to pay for your classes because then you can speak German and you can get a job. So we're going to help you get a job by paying for your classes and giving you an employment money as well. That's incredible. Right? <laughs> that's, that's true social insertion, you know, like they're really trying to help people yep. get the jobs. So that I, I really appreciate that. Yeah. Great. So let's start your like, you know, table talk or your Piers Morgan life stories situation here. So first question I'd love to ask is, you know, obviously I know you as a DJ and a lot of my listeners will be listening for you because you are very popular in the DJ community, I feel, in Edinburgh. (laughs) You know, you say you miss the UK. We absolutely miss you. I know we do. And when I did my titty stream, a couple of titty streams actually with um, Wendy and Mary, I was saying, oh, I just miss Eva. And they were like, oh, same. And so even though you weren't with us, you were there in our thoughts and still there. Do you know what I mean? You were in the room. Yeah, you had the masks as well, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was kind of, is this your way of telling me my makeup looks bad tonight? <laughs> no, for, for the people, so basically, yeah, we were doing live streams every week. We started actually the weekend just before the full lockdown with Wendy. We were just like, everything's going to be shut, let's do this. So we did live streams. They're still doing it every Saturday. Um TTTT Bang Bang live streams. And when I left, Wendy had actually made um, paper cardboard masks of my face so they could actually wear this, just pretending I was there. Yep. And that was brilliant. That was just, that's just so funny, yeah. They made, those made the sets, like definitely. So yeah. before you became a DJ and sort of fell into being a DJ and a superstar, you know, you said you came to Edinburgh to study. Did you kind of study in Edinburgh? Uh, I just did the one year, it was an Erasmus exchange program, so I was studying English at uni in France, and then for my second year I could actually go away uh, during Erasmus, and the only university that would accept freshers was Edinburgh, so I ended up in Edinburgh. And I could have stayed there to keep on studying, but that would have been another three years of studies, which I wouldn't have had to pay, but then I didn't see myself working and studying at the same time. And I only had one year to take back in France for my bachelor, so I went back to France for that. Uh, and then I, I worked in schools as a French teaching assistant in schools near Reading. And once that year was finished, I was just like, you know what, fuck it, I'm just going to go back to Edinburgh. I don't have a job. I'll find a job. You know, I'll find a flat. I'll find a job. I just want to be in Edinburgh. So I moved back, and then, yeah, that's where it all started again, I guess. <laughs> but that's yeah, properly going out, you know, my first, first night in, a, in an actual club place like the Hive when I was, you know, 19, 20 years old. Yeah, there we go. And um, was actually the last night at the old bongo club at the Moray House for New Year's Eve. Yeah. We just decided, you know, with my pals, oh, what are we doing for New Year's Eve? And we decided, oh, let's go to, the, to that place, to the bongo club. And that's the first time I actually went to a club and it just really changed everything. Wow. And why, why uh, change everything? Um, so I used to, I used to be a like rock 
indie psychedelic rock uh, head. Yeah, that's the kind of music I used to listen to. <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, and then I went to the club and I realized, oh my God, people are dancing to Stevie Wonder and, you know, this kind of stuff. This is amazing because that's actually, you know, the way you dance to that music. That was that was really nice in the atmosphere, you know, also because it was the bongo club, it was a night with, they had Soulsville, Four Corners and Mumbo Jumbo that same night. So it was a big wow. Wow. And then we just liked it so much when they reopened at the new location on the Calgate, we decided to go back with my friends and we we're just like, oh, let's go to that night, Mumbo Jumbo, because, you know, it was really good for New Year's Eve. And between the, that time, I'd actually lost all the music I had on my iPod. So my iPod, the, uh, the hard drive just burned. So I lost all the music I had. And the only music I could access were actually Steve Austin's mixed CDs at Mumbo Jumbo. So that's all I could listen to really. So obviously really influenced by this and then just going back every month because it was just so good to go for a dance and uh, just amazing atmosphere. And yeah, that's when I, I fell into the the club, clubbing trap, really. <laughs> That's absolutely amazing. So, you know, what got you into DJing then? How did you end up starting actually DJing yourself? So, so basically the whole story was I was going to Mumbo Jumbo every month and always going to speak to the DJs. So Steve Austin and Trendy Wendy, you know, always asking, oh, what's that track? What's that track? Blah, blah, blah. And then one day after a year maybe of going every month, I approached them being like, oh, do you guys need any help on your social media? Because I can see, you know, you're not really active on the Facebook, you know. Do you want, do you want any help to post any tracks? Because I come here every month. I know the kind of music you play. And when I said that to Wendy, she was like, well, actually, we're starting a new weekly night on a Thursday. It's called Hullabaloo, and we need someone to do the PR to go and put up posters, flyers in town, to approach, you know, the students, uh, the hostels around. So... I started doing this and that was actually a job, you know, they would pay me to do that. And I would do that maybe like 10 hours a week. Wow. Amazing. Uh, just, yeah, going, going around town and, and stuff. And after a while doing this, you know, being at, at the bongo club every Thursday as well. One day, Steve was like, well, you know what? I think you should uh, just learn how to DJ a bit. So when either me or Wendy cannot make it because we're sick or whatever, you could just take over, play a few tracks while we go to the toilets, while we go for a fag. And that's how it started, really. I never fancied myself as a DJ. I just loved going to the club and dancing, you know? I was just like, well, I'm a dancer at first. I love and and then they just, yeah, Steve would show me a few things like, oh, that was so that button, you know, you do this and you do that, blah, blah, blah. And Wendy would just be like, well, I'm out, I'm out for a fag, so there you go, bye. And she would just leave me with the text, you know. <laughs> Wendy's way of, um, of doing things, which was, uh, and I don't know, it just happened at some point, you know. I thought it was just really interesting. Um, I thought I was, yeah, quite good at it, so. You are quite good at it. You're fucking... <laughs> You're brilliant at um, it's so interesting. Well, my friend who's a DJ as well, who used to do my night glazed at the street with me, um, Lana Lou, she's very similar to you actually. I think that I once DJed at the Shack. Now, that's a long time ago, the Shack. Mm-hmm. For no, we're in 2021 now, so five years ago, I DJed a set there and it wasn't in drag, I was just playing 80s, 70s disco, high energy. But I said to her, Oh, I really need to go pee. 
can you just press play? Because it was a press play job. Uh-huh. At, yeah. Oh, are you sure? I went, aye, aye, just press play. It'll be like this. Well, so I came back and she went, I really love this, by the way. And I, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, pick a song. Why not? Because I wasn't giving a flying fuck. I was like, yeah, it's like the shack at like 11 yeah. night. No one's here. Um, but then she ended up being like, how do I actually do this? Because you do this. And I was like, oh, well, maybe buy a controller, get some software, pick some songs you like and look into your styles. And years later, she ended up becoming a DJ from that. And having oh, that's a- amazing. Because of just falling into it. And it's funny talking to you because you're obviously a DJ, but one of the first guests I had was a drag queen who's similar like me that they work in Glasgow. And what the big conversation we had was that we kind of just fell in to doing drag. It just was something we wanted to do one week mm-hmm. and we're doing it as a career. For me, DJing was also very similar that I used to go up to... I mean, it was in Planet, so we're talking a long time ago. Like, <laughs> the 13 was when I started this. And I was like, oh, I think you should play this song by Kaylee, and I think you should play this song by the Weather Girls. And the DJ kept going, oh, do you can what? Why don't you just fucking ask if you can DJ here? And I was like, ah, well. That's amazing. So I met- oh, that's amazing. That's great. And I messaged the, um, the manager, I mean, like, could I do a DJ shift? He's like, I okay, whatever. And I was like, no, no, can I? And I did it. And I remember he gave me a Saturday because someone called in sick the day I asked if I could do it. He was like, That's how it starts, eh? Really weird, sort of cosmic thing. So he's like, Okay, I'll give you a Saturday. It's a busy night, nine to one. I went, Yeah, I'll be fine. Put together my set list. The only time I've ever actually in my whole life put together one set list was that night because I was so scared. Of course, yeah. Had the place packed from the beginning to the end. It was just, I mean, it was Planet. Yeah, but, you know, still, it doesn't, at some point, it doesn't really matter as long as the people are enjoying themselves, you know, wherever you are, whatever people there are, you know, if you're doing the job, if people are enjoying themselves. Oh, that was it. And I think the thrill I got was the feedback of audiences getting excited by music. And I thought, this is something beautiful that brings people together. And so it's like nightlife for me has always been this thing that, and I listen to Jodie Harsh's podcast a lot, um, Life on the Dance Floor, and she as often said to her guests, all different people from different backgrounds, some not DJs, that you meet so many people on the dance floor that you probably wouldn't have had the confidence to go up and talk to in everyday life, but on the dance floor, you shared connection. And I think that's really quite mm-hmm. poetic, actually. Definitely. Yeah. There's something about, yeah, being in the club, you know, everyone's there for the same reason. Totally. Really, it's not just meeting people randomly anywhere you know it's like well you came to that place to listen to that music to dance so it's going to be like-minded people to a certain extent obviously but exactly yeah before the pandemic you know what kind of nights were you doing then DJing in Edinburgh before the pandemic hit so we were doing obviously the monthly bang bang monthly member jumbo at the bongo club as well and then I had another few things, you know, here and there in bars. Not as much as I used to a few years ago. At some point a few years ago, that was mad. I was DJing Thursdays at Hullabaloo, Friday nights in a bar, and Saturday another bar, you know. I was, I was working full-time at the, at the time, and I was DJing Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights, you know. But it was, it was really different. It was mainly bar gigs, you know, and in some, you know, very fancy bars, so no one would actually listen to the music, but that was great for me because I could practice. That's where I really learned, you know, my first gigs on my own were the bar gigs, you know. So I wasn't doing as much, definitely, the past few years, but also because it took another 
it took another turn because I ended up, you know, going to London to DJ and going to Liverpool a lot as well, you know, so it was actually bigger gigs and more clubs in a way. Mm-hmm. So... Can we talk yeah. London gig? What was the London gig you did? Because I remember being blown away. I think you posted your set after it and I listened and was like, I wish I had been there to be in that room for that. Uh, so I think the first one was actually at... Um, it must have been Printworks. Right. Because it was after the whole uh, Smirnoff Equalizing music program. So, you know, I entered this and then I was selected and I was mentored by Artwork and they'd all given us set at Printworks. So we're still, you know, not in the massive big room, which is for the best because it's so huge. Like the, you, you're so far away from the crowd because you're on that massive stage and there's probably like 20 meters between, you know, the DJ up on that stage and the people. And it's just a massive crowd. While in the small room, it's still 500 people, uh, but it's, you know, low ceiling and you're really close to the to the audience. So yeah. I think that was the first one, and then there, there were probably, I don't even remember, that's terrible. There were probably another few, you know, smaller ones. And then I ended up playing at Ministry of Sound as well. That was the one that I, like, Ministry. Before we go into Ministry of Sound, though, what was it like being mentored by Artwork? What was that like? Oh, it was, it was amazing. He's just an amazing person, you know. Um, when you know, doing the applications and they would ask, oh, who would you like to be mentored by? And so there was that DJ, uh, I think Nastia, but she plays like very heavy techno. So I was just like, well, that's a no, I don't even know who she is. And then they also had Honey Dijon, Peggy Goo and the Black Madonna. And I thought about maybe Honey Dijon or the Black Madonna because Peggy Goo I was like, well, she's younger than me. What is she going to teach me about, you know, it's not just about DJing, it's about life as well. She's not been around for that long. Mm. And then I'd never heard about artwork. So I went to look, look him up and I ended up finding a set he did for Mixed Mag, I think, right. uh, a disco set. And I was just like, that's my track, you know, that's my jam. That's the tracks I play. Mm. Uh, so I ended up picking him. And he was just really nice because he's very, really down to earth, you know. Um, What he would say would be, you know, I I don't take life too seriously, but I take music very seriously. Wow. That's his whole whole thing. That's what he told us with with Jake Alder, who was also doing this with me. And he was very supportive because he's the one who booked us to play at Ministry of Sound. That was his night. And he was like, oh, you know, you guys should just come and play at Ministry of Sound. Sometimes we would play in London, you know, we played a, a craft beer festival and he just came around, you know, like he was not going to play. He was just like, well, I heard you guys were playing, so I'm here for support. Like, yeah, no, amazing, amazing person. He sounds absolutely amazing. He sounds like oh. the most supportive mentor you could actually have, like. And so much fun, Shit. so much fun. It's funny because, like, I, out of that list, would probably have went with Honey Dijon because that's very what I play. Like, if I had to take an artist or probably the Blessed Madonna, actually, yeah. But I think Honey Dijon for me, just because I play so much Honey Dijon music and sets these days. Like, Mm -hmm. um, I'm a massive 90s piano househead, as everyone knows. But for me, one of the songs I loved by her was... um, her recent song, Little Bitch Know, and I just thought, oh, and I loved it and fell in love with it, and she's amazing. But artwork, I love artwork. I just, I don't play him enough, but I also can see how that dynamic of you and him would work, actually. 
Well, basically on that, you know, that set he did for Mix Max, so that was all filmed. And at some point, I don't know, after something like five or ten minutes, it just goes off the screen and you don't see him for a few minutes. And then the next thing you see is actually one of the, you know, in the in the Muppets, you've got Bleaker, you know, the me, 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 me. He comes back and you don't see him, but just that puppet of Bleaker, the Muppet, pretending that that's the puppet playing the decks. And I was just like... Okay, I want to work with that person simply because that just that completely sold me. I was just like, don't even need to listen to the rest of the set. That's the person I want to be working with. That's absolutely incredible. I'm so thrilled for you because that's such amazing connections to make long term as a DJ as well, like yeah. mentoring yeah. and working. But that's incredible. And then I know that you and Mary had started a night. Was it? Can you dig it? Yeah. So that was. I wanted to. Basically, I'd always wanted to to do something at Sneaky Pete's because, you know, I still consider, well, the street is, is a completely other story, you know, because it's the street, it's something just on its own, yeah. the establishment. But on the Cowgate, it's, see, I find it kind of weird because in Edinburgh, you definitely have different cliques, you know, even on the Cowgate. And I'm a bongo club girl. You know, I, I could never, I, I, I really wanted, I love Sneaky Peeps, but I was not, you know, part of the thing. And when I asked, oh, you know, I asked Nick, oh, do you have a, maybe a night? I would like to do this, blah, blah. And, he, and then he gave me a couple of dates uh, on the on Thursday nights. So I really wanted to do something not as a DJ, but as a promoter. Wow. Because the goal with Can You Dig It was to bring some people who were like DJs, who were newcomers, not from Edinburgh, just to try and mix it up a bit because I thought the Edinburgh scene was way too local, you know? Yeah. So to give the opportunity to other DJs to come and play their sound because you go to different cities and the, the, the music, the, the selection is not exactly the same, you know? So that was, that was the goal, bringing people from other cities to come and play um, at Sneaky Pete's. And it's so funny because I remember my friend who I met through Bongo Club from going to Mumbo Jumbo. He, um, he's much older and you probably would know him. Um, but he said to me, oh, like I went to Eva and um, Mary's night. Can you dig it? at Sneaky Pete's because he's the Sneaky Pete's head first, then a Bongo sort of fan. I'm the opposite. I'm more of a Bongo fan than a Sneaky Pete's. Mm. And he was like, oh, their night was amazing. You should have came. And I remember I think it was literally something like I was in hospital and I couldn't make it. And he it was... Yeah, it was literally the, the Thursday just before the... Well, it was not the, the last weekend before the lockdown, but it was the one before. Yeah. Yeah. So it was really, yeah, through that time, 5th of March, uh, it was, so... That's literally when I started that new CF medication that week. There we go. Bye, that'll be why. Because I was in hospital to trial it for... Mm -hmm. But he was obviously wanting to go, and he went with his friends, and he loved it and said... He was one, he was like so impressed with the guests you've got and the work you'd put in and how good it was. Two, he was like, oh, I heard Mary doing a proper set, like on her own. And, yeah. and I was like, yeah, Mary's amazing at DJ. And like, no one seems to know this because she does percussion a lot of the time and she's a great DJ. Um, so yeah, he had said it was great. And I kind of was like, oh, they'll probably have a residency now after this. Um, and then obviously the pandemic, came <laughs> which now links me to my next question really. Um, yeah. pandemic then happened after that and um, you know obviously Miss Rona coronavirus hits everything goes into lockdown and you ended up one of the things that was getting me through the first few months was actually you doing the online sets with Wendy 
Really, I used to watch them every weekend with a bottle of wine, pure love my life. Um, and at one point, I think I got drunk and joined on virtual with a wig on. It was so funny. And it was like, oh, well, I'm there, even though I'm not there. And then I was like the next day, like, oh, yeah. did you jump on camera? <laughs> <laughs> How did you find, because you were doing your own ones on Facebook as well as um, the mm-hmm. Bam Bam ones. How did you find transferring to DJing online? It, it was, it was very, it was very strange because obviously you don't have an audience, and then it was a very you know regular thing. I was like, well, I'm going to do this every Friday from twelve to two, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, that, but it was nice because I could play different stuff as well, so not just club music. Um, so in a way, I really enjoyed it. But not going to lie, I was preparing my sets because I was like, I've got two hours. And then I really wanted to make sure that I would never going to play the same thing. Mm-hmm. So I would prepare my sets being like, I've never played this. This track is not in any of my mixes. So if you could listen to most of my mixes on SoundCloud and there would maybe be two tracks that, or three tracks that you would hear in a few different sets, but the rest, it's all completely different music. Um, it was, see, I was doing it mainly, not really to keep an online uh, presence, but that was still very important, you know, just to be like, well, I'm not giving up on this because, you know, I, c- I can still do it. But it was mainly to do it for my friends. I was like the Friday, really, you know, I was doing it because I knew my friends would be watching. And that was, you know, the thing of like, oh, on the Friday, they would just tune in and listen to the tracks. So I was doing this, yeah, mainly for people. And it, it was different to do a live stream than, you know, pre-record a mix because people were aware that, oh, that's what she's doing exactly right now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was special in a way. Um, but it's, it's very weird. It's very different. Yeah, it's funny. So obviously I had Simon from Hot Mess on last mm-hmm. day, two weeks ago now, and we talked about sort of he's not been happy. He did one set for a bisexuality festival that he did, and he was like, oh, I can't watch myself, so I didn't. But his friends actually were like, oh, you look amazing on camera. You're loving your life. And he's like, oh, okay, I will watch. <laughs> and I totally got that because I'm very lucky, I guess, that I have my armor that when I'm in drag. So when I ended up doing mm-hmm. every Friday, when we were when me and my friend at the time were doing Glazed every Friday, and I did that because I knew Titty was on Saturday, so I wanted to make sure it wasn't the same night so that people, sounds weird, but I was like, the Titty people will watch me on a Friday. It makes sense. And that's the community coming together. Um, and I, originally, I did once a month naughty for CCs every month. And this was all, this was literally April onwards because I worked out how to stream from my computer. Because back then I didn't have decks. I was like, I'll just use virtual software, stream it via a link. But then I was like, Do you know what? I had enough money and savings that I thought I'll buy decks because I've always wanted to get completely off computer and solely on USBs and potentially maybe look at vinyls one day. So I thought, well, now is the time to do this because I can actually just practice and do this all the time every day if I'm bored. And I did. And now I've got the decks that Wendy used for the titty ones um, every week. And then I became, it was like second nature for me. I'd be like on a Friday night doing it happily, not stressed, having a great time mixing, beat matching. But for me, I've got the armor that because I do drag, I could act silly on camera and didn't get insecure stressed. Do you know what I mean? And if I ever fucked up a mix, I'd go... Oh, well, you know, I'm in drag, ha-ha. Yeah. <laughs> I've been finding, like, a lot of my friends that are DJs, like, I'm quite good friends with Nick from Bongo, Nick Carlsberg, and he 
was like, how are you doing these online streams? I just can't do that. And I was like, oh, well, it's just because I'm in drag. And he's like, oh, I'd love to be able to like get on camera and do it. I'd be too shy. And I'm like, fair, it makes sense. Like, I would have never thought that Nick would be so shy trying to do, you know, like live streams. Oh, I love Nick. He's great. Oh, he's doing loads of sets every week that are recorded, but camera, it's just, yeah. well, like Simon, mm-hmm. I thought Simon from Hot Mess, like I love him. And if he's listening to us, he knows this. I thought him and his gold pants at Hot Mess would be like, yes, let's do it. Oh no, completely. And I was going to bring on to the next point with this. I think it's that technology thing about being on camera that people don't like. Do you know what I mean? I've got this feeling that it's the, oh, people are watching me and I don't know who type of thing. Maybe. I guess, but then I didn't really have this simply because I knew it was mainly my friends and I didn't care if I fucked it up uh, because it was, you know, like no no pressure. And at some point when we were doing it with Wendy and Mally, we were having so much fun because it was like our wee party, you know, like if I was not DJing, I would be dancing behind because I had all the space or hugging flow, you know, it was like, and I really... I think it's good to not take yourself yet too seriously because that's what people enjoy as well. Like, well, stay true to yourself, you know. Well, if I fuck up, then I fuck up, you know. Uh, it's completely human to to make mistakes. But I, I understand that some people might get yeah, some kind of stage fright when you've got a camera. And, like, I just think, you know, like, artwork, your mentor kind of said that, you know, don't take life serious, but take music serious. And mm-hmm. kind of doing that in your sort of own way that, you're like, okay, well, if I fuck up, I fuck up, but at least I pick good tunes. <laughs> like, exactly. That's it. Like, yeah, most of the things about the tune selection, you know, the technique comes next, I think, because the people still, like, even if you're not exactly, you know, beat matching, you, like, most people don't actually hear that. They're too lost in the moment, you know, they don't hear that. It's going to be all the DJs and musicians who turn around and be like, oh, I heard that. And then 90% of the people don't even realize. Uh, so from the moment you actually yourself, you know, realize this, then it's much easier to, yeah, to deal with. Yeah. And I love my trendy Wendy because she's mentored me for years, right? But when I did mm-hmm. a stream at hers before Christmas, I had like, I think, our stop Dua Lipa and Horsemeat Disco. And I went a bit off beat and I heard it and went, oh, because her headphones kept crackling. And I turned around and said to her, like, your headphones are crackling. She went, wiggle the wire. I went, no, no wiggle the wire. Get new headphones. <laughs> like, But she had said to me, oh, Jordy, that was a bit off. And I was like, oh, shit, was it? And I listened to it, like, a week later and went, you wouldn't have even heard it. You would not. Uh-huh. No one apart from a DJ would go, oh, that bit there. Like, no one would have heard it. <laughs> but let's face it that's Wendy's humor to a fucking tea isn't it like oh <laughs> it's a it's a good way also to be like you know uh teach you just being like well I'm gonna be honest with you yep. next time you'll do better you know that's that's the way of saying this as well of like you've done this once well listen back to it and then for the next time you know that I'll be better you're so right. And that's what she taught me for about two years before I eventually was like, you don't need to give me advice now. I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> and if I can't do it after two years, then I really need to have a talk with myself. <laughs> that would be my attitude. You always learn, though. You're constantly learning new things. You know, totally. I think. So you have mentioned it already, but you made a big move to Berlin. So, you know, we don't really need to talk too much about it because you've kind of already said why, but 
with the move to Berlin, like, are you kind of hoping once the pandemic's under control that you're going to try and break it into the Berlin nightlife now? Is this the plan? Yeah, I guess so. Um, but it's it's so different, actually. You know, you have to think that going from the UK where, you know, as a DJ, you would be playing mainly Fridays and Saturday nights between 11 and 3 five if you're in London you know and you're lucky and you get you know the extra two hours in Berlin in Berlin when the clubs are open they're open on the Thursday night and they only close on the Monday morning meaning like there's always going to be music playing all day all night in the clubs so imagine the opportunity that gives to people not just playing prime time at night but also playing you know more chill stuff during the day many more time slots you get longer sets and um yeah it's less i mean you would still have some clubs where it would be you know the big names and obviously if you if you think about panorama bar and you know other bigger clubs it's less elitist than the uk would be i find the scene in the uk because there's not that many slots available there's not that many clubs open anymore you know compared to something like 20 30 years ago you have less opportunities, so it's all about the bigger names. So if you're a nobody, it's very difficult to get sets. While in Berlin, no one gives a shit who's DJing because people are going to the club to go and dance to good music. You could be a nobody and people care less about the DJ itself. They care about the music. They care about the club. They care less about the DJ. So there will be, there will be opportunities, I think, um, I hope. Uh, well, I guess we'll just see. I've managed to briefly meet a few people uh, just before we were back on full lockdown um, uh, from a, a crew called Disco Bizarre. Right, okay. In Berlin. So they, they have something like, they told me they have something like 30 to 50 people involved, you know, in and out. So kind of like who have played with them or play regularly or just like once a year. So I've met a few of them uh, and they're, they're lovely people. So they play, yeah, mainly disco, even though, okay, you'll find this interesting because right. uh, the disco in Germany, in Berlin, is not the same disco that you would, that you would have in the UK at all. I was going, you know, when I would go to disco nights and I was just like, yeah, I guess this is disco, but to me, I can't, it's, it's Italo disco, it's 80s disco, it's European disco. So it's, it's like, not, so it's it, not 70s disco, it's not black music, so to speak, you know, it's very different because obviously you would have local influences, so cultural influences with, yeah, European Italo disco, and then it came a bit later, somewhere in the 80s, so you would have more synthesizers you know so the sound changes it's a bit more um it's a bit more pop definitely in say, the music mm -hmm. I was gonna say is it like more cheese sort of vibes yeah yes and no i mean in a way it's less it's less funky it's less soul right okay you know so the influences are not the same so in that sense there will be I mean it's not about the competition as I was saying you know it's not as elitist in Germany and in, especially in Berlin but as people playing the kind of music that I play 
So people are not really aware of that music. The only people I met who would play that kind of music are actually from the UK or from the US. Um, <laughs> you know, so it's it's interesting because there's potential because people might know some of the tracks, but that's not something that they would you know be very um, familiar with. Mm-hmm. So what? So you're, I think, my first guest who's not been in the UK. So I've had people from England, from Scotland, but, um, you know, interviewing you, like, what is it like in Berlin just now with the pandemic? And what have you been doing to cope during the last 10 months? Um, so in Berlin, it's, it's fine. You know, everything is shut, but essential shops. So you can still take public transports and you can still walk in town. Uh, we have to wear masks. Well, not really. It depends on the street, you know, commercial streets and stuff like that. To be fair, it's been so cold that it's you, you want to wear your mask. You know, we had minus 15 oh my here. God. So, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> and it's going to be 15 degrees this weekend. So there's a 30 degrees different gap. Uh, anyway, um, but we have to wear um, surgical masks, you know, either the blue ones or like the, the white ones. So you cannot wear any fabric masks, masks and stuff like that. So... It is, I mean, everywhere is kind of the same in Europe, I guess, but it's still quite chilled. You know, people are, are being cautious, I find. Mm-hmm. And what, what can you do, you know? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's okay in Berlin. Yeah, I think, because uh, you still have so many parks and nice areas that you can, you know, go and uh, walk. It's, it's still lovely. Yeah, and how have you? How's your mental health been like the last ten months? I know it's quite an evasive question, but have you been having to like go for like regular walks every day, or are you just busy immersing yourself in music and and DJ and stuff on and sort of like putting sets together? What have you been doing to kind of cope? Well, the past few months I've been working full time, right. so forty hours a week, five days a week, you know. Um, so that's been taking obviously a lot of time, uh, and then at the weekend I try. And see some people because you can still, you know, meet uh, people, you know, if you're, especially if you're outdoors and then indoors, you can meet one another household. So trying to be, you know, careful. But I see my sister a lot. And then I met a few people who live in the building just across the road from, my, from mine. So it's just the one household, but there are six people living there. So we can actually socialize quite often. Um, and then, yeah, trying to just chill and take care of myself the first lockdown was very different obviously because I was on my own in Edinburgh and I would still see Wendy and Mary every Saturday because we were just so close you know we're just like we're not supposed to see people but first of all we started this before the lockdown also we kind of live together there's literally less than one minute walk between mine and Mary's and Wendy's like that's so we were doing this but it was very different, you know, the first one and the second one. Uh, but yeah, for the first one, I was just, I, I, I was not born, bored once. Like I was on my own the whole day, the whole, like the whole time having kind of not the best time, but I had so much time to just, you know, check out new music. And yeah, as you were saying, preparing sets and stuff that, it was a bit difficult sometimes, obviously not being with people. But I think now, after so long, 
you know, I've just come to peace with it of like, well, I know that's going to last for another wee while. You can't, we, there's no one to blame. There's nothing we can do. So might as well accept it and try to work around this, you know, and make the most of it. You know, I'm working full time right now. When clubs reopen, I'm not going to be working full time. Trust me. I'll, I'll ask to go part time because I'm like, fuck that shit, you know. <laughs> Oh, you've not changed at all. I love it. You've always had a great... <laughs> it's, that was really actually um, inspiring, by the way, is wisdom, because for me, that's so true that one thing I've been preaching, I say preaching, I'm not kind of shoving it in people's throats, but talking a lot of it to people that have been younger than me, that are students I'm friends with, is sort of that if you accept this, you know, I in December, when they were like, Christmas is cancelled in the UK, or you can see people on Christmas, but not Boxing Day and all this crap, I just kind of was like, do you know what? I'm just going to accept this is shit and probably will be until at least March, maybe come summer. I'm very fortunate because I work in theatre, though, that a lot of my mm-hmm. people were like, they, you're going to have to do all this online. Nothing's open till the end of summer. And I went, well, if they're not going to be open until September, then what's going to really return in January? And then obviously we had that spike, but I knew. But I just made that sort of acceptance and then other people were so upset. And I was like, well, we just have to accept this is it now. It's shit. Well, we can all be miserable. Aquarius season, everyone's miserable. We love it. <laughs> That's our season. We love it. But it's true that, you know, that to me was that thing that people haven't done. So I'm glad you've just been so raw and honest about that. And um, for younger people listening that are wanting to get into DJing, you know, I watched Roisin Murphy a while ago on Question Time. One of my favorite singers, obviously. And she is amazing. Yeah, and absolutely, and she had released her album, which is absolutely incredible, um, with mm-hmm. her and stuff. And she had said, which I thought was really actually brilliant, that when they asked her how she felt about her returning to performing, and she said, "Listen, I'm in my like forties. I'm not thinking about that sort of stuff. I'm thinking about the children and the teenagers because I don't want them to, if they're eighteen, get lost to the matrix right now and then not want to go clubbing when things open because they're so engrossed in computers." So for younger people listening who maybe want to get into DJing, you're a bit older now than you would have been when you started. What would you say to them if they're wanting to get into it? Um, I think the main thing is to, to find your crew. You know, try and find the people to surround yourself with. Try Find your scene. Find the people who are going to support you in what you do. You know, I think that's the main thing. I was just so lucky because I started with Steve and Wendy at the Bongo Club at the street. So I've had it very easy and instantly I was just accepted and it was very easy for me to just play, you know, whatever and try things. So I think, yeah, the, the main thing is to try, try and find the right people to, to get involved with. Uh, choose the people wisely, choose the scene wisely, find what is going to work for you, not for anyone else, you know. It's a matter of, yeah, finding that support in friends and, yeah. That's, I think that's the main thing. That was absolutely amazing. Thank you so much. That was actually a professional way to approach it. Because <laughs> um, I have had a lot of students kind of... Uh, that listen messaged me saying you know oh well uh, I don't know if I want to pursue the arts now because everything's so changed and one thing I was talking on Twitter a few weeks ago was I'm fascinated to see what drama courses will do in the future 
when they're teaching theatre history, they're going to say, let's talk about the digital era where everything was online. Because this will be a part of history now that in years to come, people might go, oh yeah, let's discuss Jory Delight doing this with the National Theatre Scotland that was online. They might. And it's, it was kind of, for me, it was a, we need to do this because I need to make money and I want to keep my like stuff going. But that can be history. It's just wild, isn't it? Yeah. Wild. But once again, yeah, we have to, we just, you know, we can moan about it as much as we want, that it's not going to change anything. So, yeah, as I was saying, since I've just, you know, made peace with the, well, that's why it's going to be for another few months or years, you know, we're going to be wearing a mask for a very long time in Berlin, even though, you know, I think the numbers are not as high in the UK. They're saying the clubs won't be reopening before the end of 2022, you know. So from the moment you know that, it's difficult to accept, but what can you do? There's nothing, you know, you can go and, you know, like protest on the street and nothing's going to change. Might as well, you know, try and find something different to do about it. Yeah, try and find alternatives. So if it has to be online, then why not? That's so interesting. You're just so right. And I'm so glad you've shared that. Um, for season two of Afternoon Delight, so I'm on two seasons of this. This podcast yeah. just started as a networking opportunity for people to come and tell their story, local talent and local artists, and we're on season two now. And one of the questions I ask people this time that's different is what did they feel 2020 taught them and what are they grateful for in 2021? I'd be intrigued to know what you um, feel about that. Um, so I think, like, on a personal level, yeah? Yeah, as much as you want, yeah, you tell me anything you want. Well, basically, 2020 um, taught me that I was actually very, how would you say that? Um, I just enjoy my own company. And it was, it was good to see that, oh, I could be on my own, not talking to anyone for a week, not having to go to work, not having any projects, you know. Um, not having a schedule or anything and still I wasn't bored once that's good during the first like during the first lockdown I've never I've never I don't think I've ever had this but I've never yeah felt bored with just myself you know if I've got nothing to do I'll find something to do and I'm quite happy about this you know so I think it was good to see that oh actually I'll always it was good to see yeah that I'm happy I guess, with myself and being able to do stuff. And also, it's okay if sometimes you feel like not doing anything, but watch Netflix, you know, you should never actually feel guilty for not doing anything, especially not right now when you've got nothing to do, you know, like don't feel, don't feel guilty if there's nothing to be done. And if you don't feel like doing anything, then don't do anything. If that's the right thing to do, you know, take this time to, um, to rest, yeah. you know, to take care of yourself. Um, yeah, that was, uh, I think, the, the, main th the main thing about 2020. I think that's great. Yeah. I won't lie to you, Eva. I, in the pandemic, was like, God, I can't stand being on my own with myself. And I lived on my own. And I remember at the beginning being like, fuck, I hate being on my own. I don't like this. I actually don't like who I am or what I do with my life anymore. And... I now a year on, funny enough, feel rounded talking to you actually a year on, I now actually really do like my own company after a mm -hmm. lot of soul searching and really found myself during the pandemic. So I think that's absolutely incredible that 
I'm and I'm in awe that you actually at the beginning were like, I'm happy on my own. That's brilliant. I think that is really um, something you should treasure. And in terms of 2021, what are you grateful for this year so far? Uh, so far, I'm really grateful that I've got um, a very secure situation. You know, I've got a flat. Uh, it's, a, it's a very nice flat. I live with a couple of people and they're lovely. My sister's nearby. Um, I have a job, which not everyone I know uh, can say so I've got that security of like if something you know I can pay my rent I can buy myself food I even managed to finally save money to buy myself a turntable for my for my birthday I know <laughs> so I've been doing the past couple of weeks just listening to all the records I had so, you know I had 60 that's nothing but still I was just like oh um you know being able to actually yeah take care of myself which not going to lie. That's also what the situation I choose were when I was in the UK, when I was in Edinburgh, you know, working in coffee shops and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, I'll never get an office job because uh, then working in, yeah, in hospitality allowed me to also DJ. So that was my choice. But I'm actually, yeah, grateful that in those times where there's nothing to do, I can actually take care of myself in ways that I've never been able to uh, before and see another side of life in a way I guess you know like I, I treat myself even though I don't spend that much money I still you know I can like if I want to buy two bottles of wine to go to a party instead of just the one because I'm on a budget I can if I want to you know if I want to spend 60 euros when we order sushi with my sister then I can you know Brilliant. so so that's what, yeah, I think that's the, the main thing about 2021 because I know not much is going to happen. So you have to treasure what you've got. And I'm actually happy with, you know, I, I, I wish the clubs were open. <laughs> but what can you do? I'm happy that, yeah, I can have the opportunity to um, not save that much, but yeah, to, to live without having to worry about anything really. And I am luxury at the minute. And I am an absolute treat yourself queen. Like I buy myself loads of stuff all the time. <laughs> so I was like, yes, get those two bottles. <laughs> my thing has been candles. Like I'm always like, oh, I'll buy this wee candle. It makes my house smell lovely. And I remember when... Uh, you're, you're a Yankee candle person. <laughs> no, I actually shop for independent people that sell their candles. Oh, nice. And stuff all local. It's like if I want to get a coffee... I'm at the like artisan only folk that's self-employed. Like I'll get a coffee from here because you've got your own business as opposed to, yeah, mm -hmm. let's go and get seven coffees a week from them. Like, um, but it's mm -hmm. so and when Wendy had came and dropped off the piss bomb, she was like, your house smells lovely. I was like, it's my new candles. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to send them to me because my sister's really into candles as well. So... Oh, yeah. A couple more questions. This has been such an amazing interview. And thank you so much for offering your time and catch up with me. And You're if, very welcome. If you were to pick your favorite club night you've either DJed or you've been to, which one would you choose? Oh, that's a very different question, though. Um, the one I've, my favorite one I've ever been to, I have, I, I, I couldn't tell you, um, even though, I know, I think. There was something very special about, so the last Kelburn Garden party um, on the Friday night, JD Twitch from Optimo was playing and we got there and I don't know what happened, but for the whole three hours, he just, you know, like we embarked on that spaceship and he took us on a journey and back and we were in that bubble 
where you know everyone around us so that's maybe i don't know like three to five hundred people all on the same wavelength um that was that was really something um you know as as a as a dancer so it's not really a club but as a dancer the experience of this set where i was just like mind blown that's like it was yeah very difficult to describe, but I think that would be the one. Um, the one, my favorite one, the one I've played, I think would be, so it was in London, so August 2019. I was playing with uh, Jay Carter, and it was actually Artworks, Arts House Festival after party. So we'd been organizing those one-day festivals in London for a few years, where, you know, on the lineup, it's only him and DJ Harvey. You know, that kind of thing. So in London, outdoor festival, just for the one day. And then that year, he was like, well, you, you guys should come and play the after party because artwork being artwork being like, you come play the after party. Wow. And we ended up in, um, I think it was in Hackney, in a place called Studio 9294. And so we got there and at first the people were like, Ooh, not sure how long we can keep the night going because we've not sold, you know, any tickets for the for the pre-sales, blah, blah, blah. But you guys just play and we'll see how it goes. And artwork was still at his festival then. And it ended up, they had to refuse something like 400 people on the door because we were, we were already at full capacity and the people had no idea. So they were just like, oh, we're going to the after party. There was no poster, no announcement for who the DJs were, were going to be. People came and stayed like, you know, we played, I think we played from 10 till 4. So doing, you know, I did half an hour, Josie did half an hour, and then we were going back to back playing three, two or three tracks each. And the whole night, people just danced like, crazy you would look up and the people had not moved like you know when you see sometimes people go to the bar they go for fags so you don't see the same people at the front no 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 no. you would look at the crowd and for like two or three hours the same people exactly at the same spot it was incredible because they had no idea who we were and they were having the time of their life you could, you know, you could, you could feel it. And then artwork came, jumped on, and we did a back to back to back. So one track each for like an hour, an hour and a half. And that was, that was really fun as well. At some point I played um, an edit of uh, At Night, Shakedown. Oh. And artwork was just like, okay, okay, okay. And he loves the microphone. So he took the microphone and he asked everyone to sit and just looked the track, looped the track, looped the track till everyone was down and all of a sudden he brought back in and everyone jumped back and it was it was it was it was a very good party. The atmosphere in there was incredible. So I think it was very rewarding as DJ that you know I had a few pals. Maddie was around and had a few pals from uh, around London as well. But it was mainly people who had no fucking clue who we were and were like, wow, that was the best night ever. You know, that feeling of like yeah. Yeah, the people came for the music. Yeah. And yeah, that was very good. I think that I was one remember, of the I remember my favorite ever night I did was the Judy party at Cabaret Voltaire, which was us, uh, like us invading Cabal at Hector's on a Tuesday, but doing LGBT allies or LGBT identifying artists, but house remixes and disco house. And the night was electric. And I remember dropping this really old 90s song called OT Quartet, Hold That Sucker Down. And 
the room just was electric. And I thought, they'll not know this because it's queer as folk, the soundtrack. And the, there were so many people there that went, what was that track? That was incredible. The strobe lights. I just, I get that feeling with, you mean, like that electricity in there. It's just amazing. It's brilliant. Yeah, I played Hector's as well. Um, and that was actually a very good night. I had no idea because I never really went to Cab because I felt I was a bit, you know, it's not... Once again, it's not really my scene. I'm a bongo, bongo girl. And then they asked me to come into Hector's and it was such a good night. Yeah. Such a good night. We got so drunk. <laughs> so <laughs> drunk. <laughs> Same. Amazing. Oh, Eva, this is just so great. Like, I'm in, I've really enjoyed this. And um, if, you know, there's an Eva Crystal Tips DJ set in town, what kind of music are we expecting? If I, if I had to ask you, Three, two or three songs that are your sort of tunes, what would you choose? <laughs> um, okay, that's a, that's a tricky one. So my signature tunes, three. Um, well, I guess one of them would definitely be Blind, the Frankie Knuckles remix of Hercules and Love Affair. That's just one track that... Belter. I, I, try not to, I try not to play it too often, but it's, it just works, you know. Um, and it's just one of my the tracks that I would be like I just it just does things to me that I can't explain. So when you can share it with people, you know, and they react the same, like yes. So that would be one of them. Um, I've been really getting into another track like more housey, so remixed by Francois K of Armstrong. It's Tout est bleu, and this track is just that's. It's, it's a shame because I've never played it in a club, I think. Because I, I was going to say, I'm sure that you sent me it. You were, yeah, I, de I definitely sent it to you in the summer. <laughs> in summer on Instagram, you will love this. And I went, oh my God, this is so me. <laughs> so this one is a, is a track that, yeah, I mean, it would definitely work. Uh, it's a very, yeah, very crystal tips also because she sings in French. So I feel like, you know. When you're not in France and you're playing French tracks as a French person, people are like, ooh, they like it. <laughs> um, a third one. Ah, that's tricky. There are too many. But I think a tune that I've been playing for a very long time, like since I, basically since 2015, uh, would be, it's called Free Bass. So it's by Joey Negro. So, so uh, Dave Lee. Uh, and it's, there's no vocals, it's just an instrumental and it's just that bass line with, you know, some kind of very cosmic sound. It's, it's amazing. I, I used to play the bass uh, when I was a teenager, so whenever there's a good bass line in track, that's why I like funk, that's why I like disco, because it's all about the bass, you know. So I, I would say, yeah, free bass, because I've been playing this since 2015 and I still play it very often to this day. Amazing. I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you. Please do. Where can people find your music? Are you on Mixcloud and Soundcloud? Uh, mainly Soundcloud. I don't really use Mixcloud anymore simply because um, Soundcloud I find is much easier also because uh, Mixcloud has changed and I don't really like Mixcloud anymore. Um, so mainly on Soundcloud, I've got, I don't, I don't even know, I've got so many mixes that I've uploaded on Soundcloud um like mixtapes and live mixes as well yeah. yeah that's where people could find my stuff and people can keep up to date with your stuff on instagram as well can't they 
Yeah, I guess so, even though there's nothing happening at the minute. So, for instance, I've, I've actually checked today and I'm like, I've not posted anything on my Instagram for a month because I've not had the chance to release a mixtape or really work on anything at the minute. So I don't use it for personal stuff. I use it for, yeah, for the DJing, so mainly. So, But, yeah, usually, I mean, we're, we're out of winter, so things are going to happen again. I'll be back into it i've just spent too much time with my turntable i think the past few weeks that i've completely forgotten about any kind of digital you know <laughs> things absolutely love that this has been one of my favorite interviews i've done in a while thank you so much for joining me nothing thank you jordy that was lovely to speak to you <laughs> finish the episode we round off with a quote that every guest brings that sort of inspires people or just reflects who they are or it's just a quote that they enjoy and I would love for you to share your quote before we finish the um, episode. Yeah, um, well, it's not as much a quote as, you know, song lyrics or a title of a track, uh, but it's just a track that I send to all my friends when I know they're feeling a bit low, and I just send them that track, and it's called Don't You Worry Baby, The Best Is Yet To Come. So it's... It's a very positive, you know, message and people hear this and it's just, it makes you feel so much better. You know, music really makes you feel better anyway. You can, when you identify to the lyrics and then you will listen to the lyrics and then that will make you think about this. So yeah, whenever my friends are feeling a bit low and I'm like sending them that track and they, feel, they tell me, oh, that was really nice actually, thank you. So that would be, that would be my thing, you know, it's like, it will, it will get better. It will get better, even if it's never going to be the same, I think, because things are going to change after, after the COVID. But still, you know, you have to keep your head up and there are still going to be better things to come. It can only improve. It can only improve. That was absolutely beautiful, Eva. Eva, thank you so much for joining me at Afternoon Delight. I look forward to catching mm -hmm. up with you again very soon. Yeah, I hope I can come to Edinburgh at some point uh, in the summer or something and then we'll have a catch up. Thank you, Jordi. That was amazing. Thank you for everyone who tuned in. I hope you enjoy my, my French chat. Not German yet, but uh, soon. <laughs> Thank you so much, Eva. I mean, such an incredible um, interview to do and catch up with Eva. For me, one of the things you wouldn't have heard because we did it after the interview was Eva had mentioned to me how well I was looking because Eva um, often would see me out and about, DJing at street, DJing at Sneaky Beats. I remember when I did Swinger at Sneaky Beats, her and Mary, etc., all came to support. And Eva had said to me she hadn't seen me DJ like that, um, where I had no kind of restrictions and could do what I wanted. She had a great night. It was a bloody Monday night of all nights. And we were exchanging some tunes. I said to her, oh, this is one of the ones I played Swinger. And she was like, oh, I played that literally while Honey Dijon was in the main room at that gig I'd done. And it was stars by um, Honey Dijon and Sam Sparrow. And I thought, you did not play a Honey Dijon track while she was in the other room. That's absolutely iconic and incredible. So jealous. And I have to say, she'd said to me, you know, you're looking so well and you're doing so well despite the pandemic compared to what, you know, a year ago when every five weeks I'd been in hospital. And you know what? She's fucking right. I am doing quite well. I am keeping really well. And although those flu vaccines floored me with the symptoms, I did genuinely 
feel much better within 24 hours and that was actually a bit of a reminder of what I used to be like when I was ill and how well I actually am doing now in recovery when I recover from cold viruses etc and Eva honestly blown away you're so modest like myself that's clearly the Aquarius in us that you've done such incredible work but you're just so relaxed telling the story I could listen to you talk all day and obviously that accent is to die for um, I look forward to whatever you do in the future, keeping up to date with it all, please do give her a follow on social media. The song she sent me that she ended with was absolutely incredible. She sent me it and I was like, I love it so much. What a beautiful way to end the episode. And you are, like I've said earlier, a beautiful and gorgeous human. Thank you so much. Join me on Sunday with um, a really interesting guest. I don't think I'm going to spoil too much, but what I will say is I didn't become a little bit of a slag. I became a total slag. And this person knows all about that. And is also a musician now after. And I'm not going to spoil, but I will say, do you know what we are? We're Sunday's guests for Afternoon Delight. That's what we are. Have a lovely day and weekend. I'll speak to you all very soon. Take care, stay safe, and until next time, remember to breathe. Afternoon Delight. Real people and real stories, a local podcast, a local artist.